Welcome to Tiny Town Library. Thanks for joining us. We're coming to you straight out of the library with town news, community updates, book recommendations, and an interview with a local person of interest. Co-hosting with me today for our first episode and hopefully all of our episodes, Miss Joanne, our children's program director. Good morning. Amy, our ILL specialist. Hello. And Madison, our library assistant and producer. Morning. Uh, we're recording in the Dayland Memorial Library in Mount Vernon, New Hampshire, which deserves its own introduction. Uh, the building is tiny, just 1,200 square feet. It's 110 years old and was built in an arts and crafts style with very large, beautiful windows, uh, detailed woodwork, a fantastic fireplace with a mantle, and of course, the shelves are full of books. Uh, we named our podcast uh, Tiny Town Library because that is exactly who we are. The population of Mount Vernon is about oh, 2,500 residents and the library sits right in the center of town on Main Street. The idea for this podcast, um, surprise, came from another library, the Peterborough Library in Peterborough, New Hampshire, which happens to be the oldest public library in the country. Uh, they offered a podcast class called Podcast 101. It was a two-part class, and they taught us how to create a podcast and produce it, and we are actually recording on their equipment that we borrowed, uh, because we all know that libraries are hashtag more than books. The library mission uh, here at the Dalen Memorial Library is to entertain, educate, and socialize our community, and we think a podcast accomplishes all of these things. So thank you for joining us, and we hope you subscribe. Uh, each of our... Episodes is going to be broken into three segments, so we'll be doing 10-minute segments. The first one is Town Crier, which is all of the news around town, and then we'll roll into a second segment about book recommendations. And our third segment, which I think is going to be the most fun, is we're going to do interviews with local people uh, of interest. So today we're having Howard Brown, the famous bus driver. Uh, so if you're not interested in town news or recommendations, join us for the interview at the end. Uh, we'll start out with the town crier news. First and foremost, it's the first day of school this week here Hooray. in Mount Vernon. Hooray! The Mount Vernon Village School opened on what day was that? Tuesday. Tuesday. September third. September third. And uh, Joanne, our children's program director, she heads over to the first day of school for a meet and greet with the kindergarten class. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, sure, we do a kindergarten outreach. I go over to kindergarten on Tuesdays. Uh, usually, school starts on the first day of school, uh, Tuesday, and it usually ends on a Tuesday. So our first program is always on the first day of school. I wrote my name like this, and I give them mirrors, and we have self-portraits. We do the same thing on the last day. It's really fun to compare what they have learned and their confidence in the year. And that's what we did Tuesday. And this year we were invited by the police department um, to clap the children in. Mm -hmm. So town employees were invited. So the police department was there, the fire department was there, the librarians were there. And we made fun signs and clapped the children in. What did your sign say? Ah, uh, school is cool. What did your sign say? Throw kindness like confetti. That was really good. And Thanks. our science matched and we didn't even plan it. <laughs> uh, what was great about that, I thought, uh, was that it showed it takes a village to raise these mm -hmm. children. And we were lucky enough to spend the entire summer with them. And I remember tagging uh, Mrs. Tyne saying, you know, good luck. You know, it's your turn. So they'll have them all year and we get them all summer. Mm -hmm. And I heard that the numbers are up. So there's about 200 
children at the village school right now, which is the perfect number. That's like such a such a goal to kind of fill those classrooms up. So. It's been several years since they've hit the 200 mark. So a lot of house closings this summer, maybe brought a lot some of new people, new families. families, new families with young children. Yes, it was exciting. And the other exciting thing for me was I felt like we knew so many of the children going mm-hmm. in. Um, so it was that part was exciting. So thank you to the police department for organizing that clap in. I think we'll do it every year now, correct? I think we will. It was very good. All right. Um, this podcast probably won't be launched um, by tonight, but the PTA is sponsoring the Welcome Back Ice Cream Social. Um, so I just want to plug the PTA for their fantastic um, volunteering and contributions, and uh, you should join. They do a lot for the kids. They do. And this is the first thing that they do in the year, and um, it's to boost membership. So join, correct? And they have a new PTA president, Autumn Autumn Gardena. Gardena. I join every year, even though I don't even have a child at the Mount Vernon Village School. That is so generous. I love them. Good job. Thanks. All right, we're moving on. In town, uh, the Mount Vernon Congregational Church, uh, they host a community supper every single month. And how much does that cost? It's free. Totally free. free. And we just talked to Sandy on the phone. And the menu for, what's the date of the community supper? It's the 19th. Of September, right? Yeah, Thursday the 19th. It's always on a Thursday from 5 to 6.30. And this month, it's pulled pork sandwiches. Delicious. With a side dish of... Cucumber and tomato salad. Yummy. And Yum. for dessert, apple desserts. Who's not going to that? Um, so has anybody been? I I've went, been. I mm-hmm. went in March to the um, St. Patrick's Day because mm-hmm. <laughs> they made my favorite dinner. And I thought, I'm going to go there and eat corned beef, right? And I got there at 5.30 and like it was almost already gone. Everybody mm-hmm. had been there. And so you got to go early. Yep. And it's social too, correct? It's very social. There are a lot of churches in the area that do uh, community dinners, and some of these um, older folks uh, circle around and do all the community suppers in the area, and it's a social outlet for them. So the church is providing a real service. And these ladies, a group of ladies and Mark, uh, have been doing these dinners for about five years. And um, kudos to them. They're a very small church. But this is a big gift. And they do accept donations, correct? They do. There's a tiny basket um, on the side. You might not even know that it's there, and they don't expect it. But that um, helps them purchase the meat for the next round of dinners. But it is not expected to pay anything. Excellent. All right. Another organization in town that's um, hosting an event, the Mount Vernon Historical Museum, is going to be open uh, they're open the first and third Saturday of the month, and that is on the second floor of the town hall. They're open from 1 to 4 p.m., so September 7th and September 21st. And they have a new curator, Mary Jo Marcelli, and she's done a fantastic job pulling things out of storage. And I went last month, and right at the front door were these awesome military uniforms that Peter Eklund's um, father, they were his. And so they're on display, and they're they're on mannequins, but like old-fashioned mannequins, so they're really striking. Uh, but it's definitely worth a visit because they're only open until October. So you want to get in there. Uh, it might even be chilly in October. There's no heat on the second floor of Town Hall, of course. Wear your hat. Wear your hat. <laughs> wear a coat. Uh, but they would love uh, for you to step in and visit. So that's happening this weekend, actually. And then the most exciting thing that happens in Mount Vernon in September 
is Lambson Farm Day. It's my favorite Yay. day. Favorite day of the year. Uh, that's September 28th, and it's from 10 to 3. And this is a must-do event. Agree? I agree. Absolutely. All right, Joanne, tell me your memories of Lambson Farm Day. My Lambson Farm first memory was before I even moved to town. I came as a guest of someone that lived near on Cross Road. And it was a perfect day. My daughter was tiny. Uh, the perfect weather was sunny. They were handing out little kites that day. There was folk music playing on the hill. We had a picnic blanket and we had our chicken dinner. And it was just a perfect family fun day. I loved it. I still loved it. Oh, Pocket Lady. Mm-hmm. The Pocket Lady was um, the favorite of my daughter for years. So. I'm just going to interrupt you for one minute. We are recording in the library, which is on the edge of Main Street. So if you're hearing car traffic, we apologize. But we're not in a professional studio. (laughs) So um, we'll try and edit that out. But if not, no apologies. Sorry. Okay. All right, Amy, how about you? Lampson Farm Day? Oh, Lampson Farm Day. Um, I remember one when my kids were much younger. It was a beautiful, bright, sunny day. That, like, warm early fall. And... We all went on the hayride, and they loved that, and they had um, the pony rides, and they were little enough that that was still, like, really fun and exciting, and the pocket lady. Everybody loves the pocket lady. Um, Yeah, I just remember just feeling, like, so relaxed and just hanging out with our family, and it was just a fun day just to be together, see other people we know in town. Yeah. All right, a little background on Lampson Farm. Um, the actual farm is owned by the town, and Lampson Farm Commission hosts this event once a year, and it's kind of like an old home day. So uh, all the organizations are there to represent and do activities. So the rec department sets up games, and the church is there serving coffee, and then the chicken barbecue is the only thing that costs money that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their kind of annual fundraiser. So the chicken dinner is this year going to be a uh, single size and I'm not sure exactly what they're charging for it but somewhere between seven and ten dollars right mm-hmm. so pretty mm-hmm. inexpensive but delicious and we all contribute to that barbecue dinner because or lunch um, they ask people to make beans and pies I'm bringing beans yep. I'm bringing I pie. am bringing a bean and pie <laughs> uh, but they needed like 60 pies mm-hmm. and 26 pots of beans but uh, it's a good way to get people to Lampson Farm because once you're there dropping your beans off you might as well stay correct and um, they accept any and all donations for that also. So if you're interested in pies and bees, get a hold of Zoe Fimple. She's organizing. And also Lampson Farm Day, the pony rides are free. Uh, the fish, the gun purgatory fishing game club, um, they set up the muzzle guns for, for people to shoot. And it's just like target shooting. And sometimes there's taxidermy there and old-fashioned games. The firemen will be there. The firemen will be there. Maybe you can Hold the hose? Can you hold the hose? And I shoot think it? you can hold the hose, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a must do in There might be someone anymore. spinning yarn. Oh, yes. The bee man might have honey. Correct. The blue bus. So many They'll people. They'll be there are with there. apples. And what's, of course, what's the PTA doing this year? Ooh, dipped caramel apples. Mm, that was the winner really? last year. Those are delicious. Really good. Yeah, get there early for those. And, and they it, will do a community art project. Correct. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. So, mm-hmm. all right. We'll hope to see everybody at Lampson Farm Day. All right, the last part of our Town Crier segment is everything that's happening at the library in September. So uh, I will just briefly talk about the adult events that are happening and then Joanne children events. More exciting. 
uh, our adult craft night, we do that once a month. And um, unfortunately, because our library is so small, uh, we can only fit about 10 to 12 people in here for adult craft night. And we are full on this event, but I'm excited. We're gonna do sunflower embroidery. So what's old is what's new. Uh, embroidery in a hoop is back. And we're going to teach everybody how to do that. And then on September 24th, we have Angela Wilson, who is a health coach in town. She's going to do a talk about intuitive eating. So it's a perfect time of year to reset. You just get the kids back in school. We're heading towards the holidays. So she's going to talk about, you know, better eating habits. And you can sign up for that. And on September 24th, we are bringing back coffee and books. The Friends of the Library sponsored this event every Tuesday during open hours. You can come in anytime and grab yourself a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and they also bake cookies. It's super social. Uh, we're not a quiet library, so come on in. Have a cup of coffee and conversation. And then I'm looking forward to this event. I went out of order, but Saturday, September 21st, uh, we have an author coming, Michael Bruno. He is going to talk about uh, his book, which is Cruising New Hampshire History. So you know all those uh, historic markers on the side of the mm -hmm. road that you see. Apparently, there's 255 of them in New Hampshire. Wow. So he, he probably won't talk about all of them, but um, he'll talk about the significance of them and maybe highlight uh, some important ones that are around us. So he's coming, and that is a registration event because we have room for about 30 people in here. Uh, so if you want to see guaranteed, register for that event. And that's it for us in September for adults. How about the kids? What are they doing? Uh, I'll be starting up my program September 19th, uh, Fall Lap Set. That's for babies and their caregivers, birth to age three. And then story time after that, that's for kids three through preschool age, just before they go into kindergarten. So Lap Set is for kids just learning uh, to be read to. So we don't expect a lot out of a, out of a, a baby <laughs> or a toddler if I can read one book a day. And um, we do finger plays, songs, felt ports, and uh, parachutes. They love that parachute. They love the parachute. About half an hour of instructed time, half an hour of play is a good day. And then story time, uh, they can do a lot more. We have about three books and the, the felt boards, games, songs, always a craft and very social for the very caretakers. Social. So it's important we have grandparents we have dads we have moms we have nannies mm -hmm. it's, it's everybody having a good time together not just the kids yeah so i'm looking forward to that that'll be um september 19th through halloween and Ooh. we end it with a practice trick-or-treat run to the general store very important and um it's a that is a lot of fun. Don't don't miss it if you're if you're the right age. The registration is open for both of those events. Mm -hmm. It's better to register because we want to know you're coming. Right. right. There's no paper plate crafts here. I'm preparing for you. <laughs> Call me up. So those are my two little kids programs, and I also have book clubs for grades one all the way through grades twelve that happen on the different Wednesdays of the month and those registrations are open now and we'll start up in October. How many kids do you take in each group? <sighs> twelve. Okay. But you have to keep me away because I always let people in. So I'm gonna crack that whip. Crack the whip because there's oh, not room and we have better discussion with twelve only. So it's a lot of fun. We read a book, we have a themed craft and a themed food and the friends sponsor that also right mm -hmm. to make that the fun. friends of the library again sponsor thanks to the friends of the library mm -hmm. 
And I think that's all I've got going right now. Excellent. Um, Amy, do you want to talk about your adult book club? Uh, so just the classics. We just started that new book club this year. We meet on the third Thursday of every month at seven o'clock here at the library. And uh, in September on the 19th, we're meeting to discuss Brave New World. And then we'll be handing out Uncle Tom's Cabin, and we'll be talking about that in October. Ooh, how topical. Excellent. And then the morning book discussion group, uh, this is another adult book club. They meet on the first Monday of every month. And this month, they're meeting uh, a week late because of Labor Day, but they'll be meeting on Monday, and their title... They're meeting to discuss the history of wolves, mm -hmm. and they'll be handing out the masterpiece. Yes, and these, these book clubs are open to anybody. You can read one title or all of them, but um, they're, they're real book clubs, great discussions, and food, right? Yes, You serve, you serve dessert yes. at yours. Yep. And yep. Um, I think they serve coffee and tea uh, with some kind of goodie in the morning for the morning book discussion. All right, very good. We are done with the town crier. I think we covered all the news in town for September. <laughs> uh, we're moving on to segment two, which is going to be led by Amy, because Amy, I mean, come on, <laughs> you need a book recommended. Just you check. asking. You asking. She reads everything. She goes everywhere. She, she knows. She's got her finger on the pulse of everything. So uh, take it away, Amy, with recommendations. Okay, so... I thought I would talk about um, a couple of the favorite, my favorite books that I read this summer first, because um, everyone's always asking, what have you read lately? What's been good? So um, I really loved Colson Whitehead's new book, which is The Nickel Boys. Getting a lot of press. Uh, yes, yes. And it's, it's based on partially sort of like a reform school. So as like an alternative to prison, uh, children would be sent there. There were white children and African-American children. And this, The Nickel Boys is based on this one African-American boy's story, um, you, you kind of see a little snippet of his life. You see how he ended up at this reform school and then the horrors that he experiences there. Um, and you, you, the story is split. You're getting him later in his life. So you're, you're seeing him as an adult kind of looking back, dealing with the past. And then you're, you're hearing everything that happened in the past. And then there's a, a twist that I wasn't expecting, and I didn't see it coming. And what? It you didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. You didn't see it coming. Gosh! So it was, and it was, it was very moving, and it was, it's just, it's an amazing story. And I'm telling you, the last page, literally, like the last paragraph, you're gonna read this book and just go, oh my god, it's powerful it's very powerful okay yes. so that's very, a must read yeah yep. put me on the reserve list I, so. I was just thinking that people are putting <laughs> yep. on the reserve <laughs> right now. right reserve it read I'll it the nickel boys so the nickel boys so yep. that's not fiction yeah. uh no actually it's fiction it's, fiction. it's a novel okay. yeah it's a novel it's but it's they're real the school on based on truth the school um there, there really were schools like that um you know there really were people that had experiences like that um but but this story is is all fictionalized um, a book that I read when I was on uh, vacation recently, um, brand new by Ruth Ware, is The Turn of the Key. Mm. And that's another one. Um, she, she wrote um, The Woman in Cabin 10. She wrote um, The Lion Game, um, The Death of Mrs. West Away. So it's all in that same sort of, it's not really horror, you know, suspense, thriller. thriller yeah, thriller. Mm -hmm. So, and this one was, is really good. I think this was one of my favorite ones by her. Wow. Again, like there's, there's a twist. I kind of suspected... You know, you like you know, you know there's going to be some twist coming, um, and it's a lot of people have said that this is almost kind of along the lines of um, was it the turn of the screw? So it's um, 
it's very tense. It's this this nanny. She takes this job in this very remote house in the Scottish Highlands, and um, there's maybe there's ghosts and maybe not, and there's strange things happening. And one of the children is a real handful, and um, you're you're seeing her just sort of disintegrate and devolve, and she's seems like she's losing her mind and then boom there's a twist and you're like oh wow okay I get it and then there was sort of another little twist right at the end that I felt like it just it's like the bow on the package right like it it really tied the story together um so I really enjoyed reading that that was a really quick read and it just came Um, out it just came out yeah hardly anyone's brandy 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 new yep um and then the other book that I wanted to talk about um, I know I told you I was going to talk about something else, but okay. I changed my mind at the last minute. Um, so it's it's not a new book. I think it came out in 2017. It's called We Were the Lucky Ones by Georgia Hunter. Oh, yeah. And so World War II, um, and it's it's actually, again, it's a book, a novel, but it's based on a true story. So the, it's the author of the book. It was her, either her grandparents or her great-grandparents. And it's it follows this family and um, literally they were the lucky ones. It's, it's all of their experiences in World War II as a Jewish family. And you know, one of them ended up, um, he is away from the family and he ends up on one of the boats that goes to Brazil. And he, he like begged the, um, like the consulate person for you know, fake papers, got his visa, ended up in like Morocco for a while because they got uh, you know, waylaid, and then he ends up in Brazil, and he's living this life in Brazil. And then eventually, the uh, he thinks the whole rest of his family's dead. He just he hasn't heard from anyone. He assumes everyone's dead. And then this letter arrives via the the Red Cross and the the consulate there, and he finds out that his entire family has survived they were the, the war. Ones. They were the lucky ones. So that was it. Was very moving, and it was you know some World War II books. Um, they're just really, really heavy. Well, and there was a series of World War II books where people started to be like, okay, I can't read any more about this. Right, right. And yes. then this book came out, but I'm seeing book clubs are asking for it. It's still very talked about. Yes. So, and, and there's, a, there's an author's note at the end where she talks about, you know, which of her family members kind of correspond with which character in the book and how she changed some of the names just to make it easier for people mm-hmm. reading it. Um, so it was, it was really good. That was a, I'm glad that I finally circled back and um, was able to listen to that. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I will plug the book of my summer. So um, fun fact about me, I love nonfiction. So <laughs> I force myself to read fiction, but I, I more enjoy nonfiction. And the title of that uh, stuck out to me this summer was Three Women by Lisa Tadium. I had originally heard about it on a podcast called Goop. Have you ever heard of this? <laughs> when it's Caltra. I'm not sure who she familiar. is, but it's, yeah. Anyways. She had the author on, and it was an interesting discussion. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll read this, and I wasn't expecting to enjoy it. Uh, but it follows three women's lives, um, their sex lives, actually. So we have an 18-year-old, someone in their late 30s, and uh, a woman who's in their 50s. And I will warn you that it is graphic, but not pornographic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beautifully written, and it's a debut novel. She kind of takes diary excerpts and text messages. Um, it's She followed these women for a couple of years and then wrote about their um, experiences, but not in a judgy way. So I'll give you a little bit. The, the 18-year-old named Maggie has an affair with a teacher, 
and it's not physical, it's emotional. It's slightly physical, and they break it off, and he gets nominated for Teacher of the Year and wins. Mm -hmm. And so Maggie's story is about her, that experience, and then going to court, and I won't tell you what happened. And the second character, Lena, she is in a loveless marriage, no physicality whatsoever, and she goes uh, back into her past and reconnects with a high school boyfriend, and they have a complete affair, but she's married. So again, no judgment in the writing. They mm-hmm. just tell you the story and then you kind of judge or absorb <clears throat> what's happening. And then the third character, Sloane, she's in her 50s and she's a successful restaurateur and she's in an open marriage where her husband wants her to have relations with other men and how that all plays out. So um, I felt like it got pressed because of the sexuality of it, but the stories are real. So, like, I worry about Maggie, the 18-year-old, where she is right now. And I think about Sloan when I go into restaurants now. I'm like, is Sloan here? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's definitely a book that um, I think you should read because uh, the author said that she felt everybody could identify with each character. You might see yourself in the characters. I did not see myself in any of these characters, but I felt like I knew a friend who was Mm -hmm. each one of these characters. So, uh, very interesting. So, that was my my best of for the summer, the, the book that stuck Nice. How about you, Joanne? Well, I just finished a very fascinating book. (laughs) It was called Narwhal, the Unicorn of the Sea. (laughs) That sounds fabulous. I know. (laughs) Ben Clayton uh, wrote it, and I picked it up when I saw it at Toadstool, where I buy almost all of the books for the library. Shop local. And I picked it up because it has this really cute uh, little illustration of a narwhal, and my daughter always loved narwhals and I thought oh why not and um, it's a little group of books there'll probably be more and it's perfect reading for that child that's just starting to read a book by themselves they can handle it it's a graphic novel Um, it's sweet the illustrations are simple but expressive and funny Uh, the story um, is joyful there's nothing inappropriate. Uh, there's no bathroom humor in it. Some mothers are like, Ugh. if you want bathroom uh, humor. We got that. We've got that. <laughs> Captain Underpants, left next month. But um, it's really cute, and um, we can't keep this little series of books on the shelves. I know, yesterday. So it makes me happy. Somebody said, can, can I get the next book? And I'm like, well, yes, as soon as the author publishes it. We'll get it right away. Right. So they're, they're anti- greatly anticipating that. Yes. So Good. check it out. Unicorn of the Sea. Excellent. Um, just very quickly, things you're looking, uh, new releases you're looking forward to in September slash October. Ah, so there's two things that I'm really looking forward to. Um, I really want to read Lee Bardugo's new book, which is called The Ninth House. Um, she is really well known for um, the Grisha trilogy, and um, this is her first adult fantasy novel. Um, she's mostly written YA books, so I'm looking forward to that. And then Anne Patchett, also a house book, mm-hmm. The Dutch House, is coming out. And Anne Patchett is just amazing, and I'll read whatever she writes. So Awesome. Um, I have ordered two copies of The Testaments uh, by Margaret Atwood, of course, of the course. sequel to Handmaid's Tale. And I think that they're already, like, I mean, everybody's already read it who got the preview, the editors, the publishers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying it's awesome, so I'm looking forward to that. And then What Happens in Paradise, the second book in Ellen Hildebrand's right. um, series, is actually coming out in October. I thank her for that. We don't have to wait till November or December to read her Christmas book. Uh, so this is the second in the series. 
Anything for you, Joanne? Well, everyone's looking for that fifth addition to the School of Good and Evil. So oh. I think it should be out soon. I'm on it. Fingers crossed. Okay. All right, that's it for recommendations. Uh, we are going to look for Howard at the front door and be right back. Yay. Howard Brown, Yay. thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you. <laughs> we have a few important questions for you, Howard. First and foremost, how did you land in Mount Vernon? Well, it's kind of a funny story. <clears throat> I was uh, sitting in the middle of the Pacific uh, in the Marshall Islands, and my <laughs> wife and I were living there, and she was going to come back to the Boston area to work for her company. And so we started looking for houses, and we found this house on the internet. And so my wife came back here for a house hunting trip, and she sent me pictures back to the to the island, and and I saw it, and I said, "Looks like the perfect house for us." Aww. So we moved here, and and that's how I got here. That's wonderful. Blood Road. Blood Who would not want a house on Blood Road? You have a great house. The beginning of the parade, uh, probably the end of the trick-or-treating mm -hmm. route. Uh, it's a perfect house. Perfect house. Um, how old is it, and does it have a name? It does not have a name. It was built in 1865. Uh, the same family owned it the whole time that, uh, from the time that was built to, to the time that we bought it. Uh, so we feel lucky that we were included in Letting the uh, legend, legend live on. Let's name it the Brown House. It's the Brown House. <laughs> um, from now on. Cindy tells the story, your wife tells the story of how when you went to Spring Gala after you bought it, you wore shirts that said something like, <laughs> I, we bought the so-and-so house. And uh, I thought that was very clever <laughs> because but everybody somebody, is associated with their right. house. Mm -hmm. If you live on Main Street, um, you are a temporary resident of these homes, um, even though you might live there your whole life. Well, our shirt story. said, Walk, we bought the Cutter House, and we had an old gentleman come up to us at the, at the parade route and said, I remember when it was the Gleason's house. <laughs> and the Cutter, uh, Betty, I believe her name was Betty Cutter, was the daughter of the Gleason. And he was also on the school board and I, I believe associated with the library somehow. So we just kind of felt lucky that we landed there. And now you are part of the, or a former member of the school board, and your wife is a library trustee. Right. So you're semi-famous in town. How well, long were you on the school board? I was on the school board for, I say 13 years, but it was actually 12 years. I was on the Mount Vernon school board for three years, and then I was off for a year, and then I was on the Sahegan school board for nine years. But in between the, the Mount Vernon board and the Sahegan board, I was in a couple of committees that were associated with uh, the school boards. And I requested to stay on the, the committees because I'd put so much time into them. Mm -hmm. And they allowed me to do that. So I always say I was on the board for 13 years. Mm -hmm. Lucky 13. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. You're so welcome. tell us about how you became a bus driver. Well, when we moved back here, I didn't have a job. And the uh, schools had just started, and my son had started uh, kindergarten that year. It was the first uh, kindergarten class of Mount Vernon. 
And so I would go over and walk him to school or walk him home and, and just kind of hang out, uh, do stuff with the class. And then one day we went to um, Babusik Lake to the beach and I was standing there talking to one of the other parents and she was a school bus driver. And she said, you would make a really good bus driver. <laughs> and I said, no, I, I don't think I would. <laughs> and I said, I would be afraid to drive in the, in the winter times and, and with that big bus. And she said, oh no, she says, they cancel school at the drop of a hat. So she said, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I said, well, maybe I would start it. So my wife asked if I would you know, do it for a year and then we'll play it by ear. And I said, yeah, but once you start school bus driving, you just, it gets in your blood, the kids and everything. So you really like it. Yeah, I, I don't mind getting up early because I'm an early riser and I don't mind uh, the kids because I love kids. Uh, my wife spent the first year talking me into driving the bus and the last 18 years trying to talk me to quitting the bus. So it's... <laughs> It does, it does get disruptive at times, but for the most part, it's a, it's a fun, fun job. So what is disruptive about us? Take us through a day in the life of a bus driver. Well, I usually wake up around 5 o'clock, and I leave the house around 5.30, 5.20 to 5.30, and get to the bus lot. I have to pre-trip pre my bus, and then I leave, and I go to my first stop, which is the high school runs. And then after the high school runs, I turn around and go right back to the elementary run and get off the bus around 9, 9.15. And then I have to go back to the bus at 1, about 1.30, 1.35, and start it all over again and take the kids home. So by the time I get off of school, out of school, and back home, it's probably 4.30. So it's if you're having anything planned for the day, you, you're kind of just, it's kind of broken up so mm -hmm. it's you can't go too far right mm -hmm. but you so you see kids from kindergarten all the way through senior yeah. year mm. yes and I've had a lot of kids go through from K through 12 oh, uh -huh. so what kind of things do you hear on the bus <laughs> uh, you can imagine everything do you play music on your bus is that why your bus is so fun uh, yes yeah, why, I knew why it I do it we the never got him you. as our bus driver, mm -hmm. and the kids are like, he plays music on his stuff, they probably eat candy on the bus, <laughs> they probably do. Well, typical day, the kids will be in the back of the bus, and they'll yell, turn the radio on. And I act like I didn't hear them. <laughs> and they'll say it again, and I'll cup my, ear, cup my ear, like I'm trying to hear what they're saying. And then it dawns on them, the way that they asked me to put the radio on was not polite so polite or rude <laughs> when they say can you please play the radio and then I turn the radio on mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a traveling classroom after they leave their families in the morning the first thing they see is me and I want to make this journey as fun as possible but I want to make it educational also so when they get on the bus I say good morning and if they don't say good morning I make them stop mm -hmm. and I repeat I, I I told you good morning and they repeat it back and then usually after one or two times of doing that they'll get on the morning and they'll say good morning to me excellent so and plus I make them say please and thank you and and the things that they know but they're excited to, to be on the way to school most of them and uh, so it's a, it's a traveling classroom 
and I tell them stories about my ventures, and, and uh, they they seem to like that. I've been to a lot of places, and and they like to hear those stories. That's good. So here's a question we all want to know: What is the perfect end of the year gift <laughs> that a parent can give their bus driver? You know, through the years, uh, this is my 19th year of driving the bus. And through the years I have received, every gift has been special, but there's been a couple that have <laughs> made me even chuckle. Uh, one year I got a mustache grooming kit. Uh, I, I get a lot of uh, coffee mugs. Um, Does everything have a bus on it? Like teachers always get things with Apple. Yes. Uh, most everything I have received is... <laughs> Associated Yellow. with the bus. I might have given you something with the bus. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I actually, I, I treasure every one of them, and, and I have them displayed. Good answer. Uh, it is an honor to be on your bus. I yeah. mean, not everybody gets to be on Howard's bus, and it's just something that's talked about. I know you don't know this, but like, there's great disappointment when the bus routes are put out there, and they're like, what? I don't get Howard? And, and here's my question. Do you pick your route? Like, Do you have favorites, and you're like... I have to go to Margaret Circle because those are my favorite kids. Or, or do you just they just assign you a route? <laughs> they assign me a route, but I do have some input. Um, of all the bus drivers down there, I think I'm the third in the seniority list. So, how are you not number one? I we have a couple down there that have been there a year Long or two years you? before me. Wow, wow! But they love the kids too, and I can't you know doubt that. Mm -hmm. But um, the the idea that I'm the favorite one, I, I think it's because I play music and, and they, I don't yell at the kids. Uh, well, you know them, too. Yeah, and most of the time, if, if I have any troubles, I, <laughs> I know the parents, too. So a lot of times I can just say, do you want me to talk to your mom and dad about oh, this? Damn. And that's the kiss of death. It sure is. And so I, they behave. Today, I have probably eight new kindergartners this year. And the last two days with the start of school, they're not sure of themselves and they want to yell or they want to scream. And so like today, I, I always make them sit in front so I can talk to them. And then I told them today, I says, well, I'm going to ask you some questions now and see if you guys, how smart you are. And I said, do you, do you yell on the bus? And they all yell, no. <laughs> I said, do you stand up on the bus? No. I said, that's good. You guys are answering the right questions. <laughs> and and then you make it a game for the kids. And, you know, they're scared to be on the bus. And by the time they're in 12th grade, they don't want to be on the bus. Right. That's, that's true. I had a, a 11th grader get on the bus today who, at the end of the last year, started driving. And he's been driving ever since. And today he's on the bus for the first time. And I said, did you lose your vehicle? And he started laughing. He goes, no, it's in the shop being for oil change. Oh, phew. <laughs> so I said, that's better than having a speed speeding ticket or right. <laughs> an accident. And uh, so you get to know these kids really well. And then being on the school board, I got to see a lot of them graduate. Uh, I was the school chair for a couple times and I got to give the speech and actually got to hug a lot of the students as they come across the stage, which was a lot of fun. Nice. But, well, we thank you for your service. For sure. Well, you're welcome. It's been a joy. Awesome. Every every morning it's are you gonna last another year? And my thought was uh, 
I was in the nuclear power plant for 20 years before we moved over to the Marshall Islands, and I'd kind of like to, to last longer than my, my tenure at the uh, power plant. Well, you know, they'll, they'll never want you to go. So even if you try and retire, they'll beg you to come back. I've had parents say, you have to wait until Johnny or Susie the gets, last Norma. Gets, gets, gets on the bus before you retire. Because that all they've heard about at home with, from their brothers and sisters is how much fun they have. And then when they finally get on the bus, they think it's party time. Exactly. So then you have to kind of put the hammer down. But Well, and Howard even comes to story time, right? Yes, I'm hoping that you might grace us this fall. I have not talked to him yet, but I believe I will be able to talk to him. Excellent. I uh, do the bus safety for the kindergartners and first and second graders at the school every year. And then I do this with the, the library uh, story time and get to read a book. I know. Now, do you like to read The Wheels on the Bus or Mr. Brown, Can Move, Can You? Which one is better? I had a, a, a student give me that book years and years ago. Mr. Brown Can Move? Mr. Brown Can Move, and I still have that. And then uh, any book. I like. I, it's important for kids to read and to be read too so I think any book is my favorite good answer Mr. Brown true thanks so much for coming in well, thanks for inviting me this all right he's been... got to do a speed round question oh oh okay speed round questions ready mm -hmm. last book you've read um Riley's Luck Louis L'Amour I have a whole collection of Louis L'Amour books and there were a lot of them I think close to 200 I can see if I have that book here. I know. And uh, I have them, and I've owned them all my life. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll reread re a book that I like. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the ones I really liked. Very good. good You're answer. so prepared. And okay. Speedy. Favorite dessert, go. Uh, mincemeat pie. What? <sighs> Most people do not like mincemeat. My grandmother made the best mincemeat pie. So she that's my have. favorite, and I haven't had it for years. My second favorite would probably be lemon meringue. Mm, that's good. I'll go with you on that one. Okay, dream vacation. Uh, Ireland. Ooh. It's one place I haven't been yet, mm -hmm. and I would always like to have gone. That would be a good gift for your end of the year. That's perfect. <laughs> Parents, okay? You get Margaret Circle on the horn and let him know. <laughs> All right, secret talent. Uh, I'd say most people don't know that I play guitar, mandolin, banjo. Uh, I haven't played for quite some time. You could have had a talent portion to the interview. <laughs> I know. Next time we will. But I have guitars displayed at my house, and every once in a while I'll pick one up. I did not know that. I did not know that either. No. Okay, and the last question. Open bar cocktail order. You're at a wedding. It's an open bar. What do you order? Uh... I usually, if at functions like that, just stay with beer. Uh, if Tap I go or out, bottle. I like bottle beer. Mm. I like a dark Domestic stout. Domestic import. <laughs> <laughs> I like a dark stout, and it doesn't matter if it's import or domestic. Excellent. Very good. Thank you for joining us, Howard. Well, that thanks for was inviting perfect. me. Perfect. 
Um, unfortunately, I hear the town hall bells ringing, which means we do have to open the library at 10 o'clock, which is just 10 o'clock now. So thank you for coming. Thank you, everybody, my staff, for coming in for an extra hour of work. It didn't seem like work. That was fun. Nope. Uh, everybody who is subscribing, please join us next month for our episode titled Witch Way to the Library, where we'll be talking about everything Halloween, witch walk, candy, and that's it. Thanks for joining us at Tiny Town Library. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.